I had a wonderful privilege to over the last couple of years, to get to know Cheryl Allen, who is in charge of PyHop. Um, and we're just so grateful uh, to have a partnership with them a little bit and to be getting to know them. Come on up, um, Cheryl. Let's give her a massive welcome. And just for, for the sake of those who, who know nothing about PyHop, just give us a little flavor of what you guys do. Yeah, so um, it's made up of about 80 to 100 churches. We do worship and prayer uh, Monday through Saturday from 8 in the morning till midnight. And the heart of it is unity and the body of Christ. Um, so we've never began a congregation because we want all the congregations to participate. And then as part of that, too, we do a ton of equipping. So uh, all types of equipping, mainly intimacy with Christ, worship, prayer, all types of prayer. Some of the people that are part of this congregation have been part of us for years. Wonderful. And if, if people want to just get a flavor and come and be involved a little bit in what you guys do, how do they do that? So if you know the like founding of Starbucks, like the guy who created it, he wanted an atmosphere. And so it was more about creating atmosphere than good coffee. And so um, he that's what pie hop is like. Instead of coffee, it's prayer. So you can come and go as you please. There's no service times. Like there's no beginning and end. You just come in spend time in the presence of God, leave, you know, whenever you want. So you could come in for 10 minutes. In fact, there are a few people who work locally that will come in for like 15 minutes in their uniforms, in their out, and then they'll leave. And that's, it's fine, however long you want to spend. So yeah, I would love for Vintage to see it as their prayer room. It's hard to do 24-7. A lot of, a lot of times the Church of, um, of America wants to do everything in their congregation. But I really think the heart of Jesus is to gather us together, that we would do it together. And so we want you to see that as your prayer room. It doesn't belong to a congregation. It belongs to the whole body of Christ in Los Angeles. Fantastic. So we're really excited to have Cheryl with us. And uh, a month or so ago, or two months ago, when I was thinking, we need somebody to speak to us about intimacy with the Lord, I literally couldn't think of anyone better. So immediately went to harass uh, Cheryl until she said yes. Um, so Cheryl's going to come and bring God's word, but before she does, Seth's going Seth's to bring our reading for this morning. So Seth, do you want to come and bring God's word, and then Cheryl's going to speak to us? All right, Isaiah 55, 1 and 2. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair." Thanks. I'm going to pray. Father, I just thank you. Thank you for just hearing all the testimonies of what's happening through this congregation. As we open your word, I ask that, Lord, you would just come with your heart, God. It says, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. So I ask that, God, people, we would each experience your heart through this time. And, Lord, I ask that you would come with a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So... You know, we belong to a culture that's really into food. 
Like, we love food. Um, I was thinking about it, like, how many tastes you can have just within a block of Colorado. I mean, you can almost have any type of flavor you want. And God, Jesus specifically, he's Middle Eastern. He's into food too, but he's into banqueting, like feasting. And if you've ever been to the Middle East or Eastern culture, they like to take a long time when they're eating. It's not an in and out situation. It's long Um, I've been to the Middle East multiple times, um, and there's no in and out. It's going to be at least two hours, maybe three. Like, you're going to take a minute because they brought everything. I mean, it's so much food. And you have to remember Jesus is like this. Jesus is going to take a minute when he wants to eat with us, okay? So the scripture I used today, which is Isaiah 55, we know it for his, his ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. But it begins by eating. And why do I bring this up? I'm going to be that special charismatic girl that tells you about a dream. <laughs> Hopefully that doesn't make you like, oh, what? She's talking about dreams? Um, the first night I did the house of prayer, which was a long, long time ago. It was actually 20 years ago. Um, the Lord gave me a dream. And in the dream, I was in a courtroom. People had used my name for counterfeit purposes. And um, what does that mean? I didn't know what it meant, but that's what they had done. And they were raging mad. Like they were bound onto the walls, blindfolded and um, gagged and raging mad onto all the walls. There was like 14 of them. And so I looked at them and I thought, you know what? I don't think I'm going to have to speak. I don't even think my lawyer is going to have to speak. And so um, these two women in white come up to me and start ministering to me in the courtroom. Okay? And then this man named Mr. Blue comes up to me in the dream, and he says, the Lord says unto you, you are my Esther. And then I wake up from the dream. So I was excited, actually, because it was such an interesting dream, and it was my first night in the house of prayer, and so I asked the Lord, I know for such a time as this, I know if I die, I die, but I'm not like Esther, you know, I mean, I don't have anybody who's like, I'm over or anything, so what are you asking of me? So I asked the Lord, and by the way, when you have dreams that are from the Lord, that's what they're meant for. They're meant for you to not look it up and Google, talk to all your friends. It's meant to draw you near to Jesus. Like, that's why he gave parables. He wanted us to draw close. So anyway, I asked him, and he says, every night you come, you don't have to present a case to the, in, into the house of prayer. Every night you come, you don't have to present a case, and you don't have to talk to your enemies. Every night you come, I want you to be like Esther. I want you to give me a banquet. Now, I was like, wow, okay, pressure is off. A lot of times when we think of prayer, we're like trying to petition him. We're trying to get him to do something. And yet he was saying, no, I just want you to banquet me. Now, 20 years later, it comes to my attention that in the book of Esther, guess how many banquets there are? Any guesses? Oh, wow, that was a good guess. Who said 14? <laughs> that was good. Anybody else? 
Three? I would say that's a great guess. I would have said three, maybe five. There's eight chapters and there are 10 banquets. God nailed it. I'm telling you, I was like, whoa, I had no idea that there was that many banquets. And it really could be called the bank, the book of banquets. In the Old Testament, the word for banquet is used, I think, I can't remember now. I think it's like 40 times, 19 of those times, it's in the book of Esther. So of all the Old Testament, banquet is used the most in the book of Esther. So God nailed it, but there's a reason he nailed it. When Jesus was on the earth, he loved feasting. So his last night with his disciples, what does he do? They're at a table. It is a significant night in the Jewish culture, but he spends a long time with them at a table. What does he do while he's in the table? He starts to divulge his heart. He starts to share the most intimate details. And by the way, if you've ever thought about this, John is fascinating. Why? He he knows every single word he said. How does he, he did not have a voice recorder. Have you ever thought of John 13 through 17 and the stunning part of John John 17 alone? Just a prayer that that is that long, that he knows it word for word. Anyway, have you ever thought about that? It's fascinating. But he gives us details that we only know through him. And what are those details? Jesus is sharing his heart. He's giving peace, peace I'm going to give to you. Do not be troubled. He says things like Holy Spirit's going to come to you. All of these things, right, happening at the table. But this isn't it. When Jesus comes back, every encounter that is recorded that he has with his disciples, there's feasting involved. So, They're up in the upper room. What happens? He walks through the walls. This is recorded in Luke 24. He walks through the walls, and he sits down, and he begins to eat with them. And as he begins to eat with them, what does it say? Their understanding was opened. If you want a reference for that, I brought this up here just in case. (laughs) Luke 24, 25. But that's not the only one. There's these two guys walking to Emmaus. What happens? He's sharing his heart with them. They're being moved by it. They don't know it's Jesus. But what happens? They said, come and eat with us. As soon as they begin to eat and he breaks the bread and he gives it to them, they partake. And what happens? Their eyes are opened. So at the table, understanding is given. Eyes are opened. But that's not it. My favorite is John 20, or John 21, 21, where Peter just has the same experience that he's had before, where he's been told to throw his net on the other side. The guy has given up. He feels like a second-rate Christian. He becomes a fisherman again. He's not going to be one of those diehard disciples. Why? Because he failed Jesus. So he feels bad. So then Jesus is like, throw your net on the other side. Same situation happens. 
He tears his clothes. This seems like enough, right? Like, whoa, Jesus is going to give to me. Jesus is being generous with me. It's on again. My call is back, but that's not it. He's like, come here, let's eat breakfast. Let's have breakfast. He didn't have to do this, but he does. And when they eat breakfast, what happens? Peter, do you love me? Jesus, knowing the answer, wants Peter to know. I'm a wholehearted lover. Do you catch that? I'm used to a little bit more response, but I know it's hot. Okay, amen. (laughs) So he's being restored into love. Why? Because they're sitting at the table. He'd already been restored into ministry, but now they're at a table and he's being restored. When God talks to a, a lukewarm church that is backslidden, In the book of Revelation, you know what he says is the solution to them coming out of being backsliders? Was it try harder? (laughs) No. He said, I'm going to knock on the door of your heart, and I want to eat with you. I want to dine with you. That's going to get you out of backsliding. I'm going to eat with you. And I'm a Middle Eastern. I'm going to take some time. Our most valuable (laughs) resource. It's hard for us to give to him. He's like, I want it. And you need to fellowship with me. Because I want to change your appetites. And the only way to do that is for us to eat together. Your appetites don't change by trying harder. Your appetites change by spending longer. Ooh, that's a good word right there. (laughs) Not trying harder, but spending longer. So Jesus makes this point in the story that's very famous, which I almost had them read today, which is Luke 10. I don't know if verses go up, but it's fine. It doesn't have to go up. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Luke 10. Martha and Mary, the famous story. Why is it being shared? I'm not going to go into that background right now, but it's fascinating background. Luke is an amazing writer. He's so fascinating how he records his stories. He's the only one to record this one. And... He catches Jesus saying something very interesting. In verse 42, he says, one thing is needed. Do you know that Jesus will only say that once? He could have made it broader. This is really important. I hope you get this. This is a big deal. He doesn't. He narrows himself. And he says, one thing is needed. You guys, one thing is needed? He's going to narrow it down to one thing? And he says, Mary chose it. Fascinating thing about Mary chose. We have as much of God as we want. What? (laughs) It's a choice. It's a big deal. And he goes, Mary chose it. 
What was she doing? Sitting and listening. That's the one thing is needed. When Jesus makes that the one thing, it's going to be a big deal on the other side if we've given him that or not. Sit and listen. And this is why I love this, because somebody's trying to prepare a meal for him while another one is partaking of a meal. She's receiving a meal. (laughs) She's listening to him and receiving. I want us to look at the scripture. And so if you brought your Bible, Isaiah 55, the scripture we brought up. And it's verse 1, 2, and 3. But I want to just focus on verse 2. Second part. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. And let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live. He makes it very clear what eating is. Eating is listening. God wants us to listen to him. He wants us to take time not just to talk to him, but to listen to him. So Isaiah 55 verse 2. It's clear that when we are being asked to eat of him, we're being asked to listen to him, to give him moments for him to speak. Because, you know, the famous verse, my sheep hear my voice and know it, right? That verse here is phono. That's like where we get the word phone. Like you can recognize how he talks. If you just read, it's not enough, folks. I can read a text and hear a thousand different emphasis. I don't know your voice just because I read you. (laughs) He's like, no, I want you to hear my voice. I want you to hear me speak my word. I want you to hear me share my heart. Because this was always an entrance into his heart. Ooh, I have a lot to say on this, but I'm going to just say one more thing. John 1. Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If I was writing that Word, I would have said, in the beginning (laughs) was the Word, and the Word was God. I wouldn't say was with God. Why does he say was with God? Because God wanted to be known forever. He wanted to wear his heart on his sleeve. He didn't want to be pure mystery. He wanted us to know him. So this right here is always an entrance into knowing him, to relationally knowing him. Why I love tables is why I love this image of eating with him is because when you're eating with somebody, it's relational. It's not functional. A lot of times we see prayer as functional. I'm supposed to do this. I'm doing it. (laughs) Not relational. And God's like, no, I want it to be fully relational. 
I mean, the, the idea of him coming down and while he's resurrected, he's eating with his disciples. This is fascinating. But this doesn't just happen on earth. It also happens in heaven. Let me explain. <laughs> Let me say it a different way before I do that. God wants us to be amazing receivers. When I came into the church, I was taught to give. Give my time to this church. Give my strength. Give my money. Give, give, give. I didn't learn how to receive. I had no idea. Actually, even my, even my devotional time was about giving. And God's like, no, no, no. I want you to be incredible receivers so you can be incredible givers. And that always has to continue lest you become burned out people. He's like, you continue. I want it. I'm an extravagant giver to you. So you become an amazing receiver and then you'll be an amazing giver. Okay. Heaven. <laughs> There's these elders are kind of famous for something. They're famous for... <laughs> falling down and throwing their crowns, right? Okay, sometimes it's confusing. We don't know who's doing what, but real quick, living creatures are saying, holy, 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 not angels, but living crazy creatures, right? <laughs> They're saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, and these elders respond to it. They keep responding. They keep falling down and they keep casting crowns. This happens day and night. They says they never stop doing it. Now, you're in front of God, you throw down a, well, let's just say you fall down and you throw down a crown. How do you do it again? You're, you're in front of God. How do you, let's just do the crown part. I gave him my crown. Do I pick it back up and put it on my head? In order for this to work over and over and over again, they must receive in order to give. Are we catching that? That should be like, whoa. No, but anyway, that is fascinating. <laughs> you can't be an extravagant worshiper, an extravagant person for Jesus, unless you're an extravagant receiver. And guess what? I have fallen down in front of people, and you're like, really? When? Okay, but anyway, I'm one of those people. I've been prayed for, fallen, whatever. Or I'm worshiping, and I fell, or whatever. I don't know. It's awkward sometimes, because you're like, when should I get up? Oh, no, I'm down here. Are there people getting up? I don't know, you know? But just think about doing that in heaven. You have just... <laughs> extravagantly giving yourself, how do you get back up? <laughs> he puts you back up. He enthrones you again. He crowns you again. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> that's part of the rhythm that God wants in our lives. We receive and then we give. We receive, and then we give. Most of us do not have this rhythm. We give, we give, we give, and now we're burned out, and we blame the church. <laughs> He's like, no, no. 
I've got you. I'm an amazing giver. I'm the highest quality giver ever. I have the highest quality of love, the highest quality of joy, the highest quality of peace. I can keep you supplied. I'll just keep pouring in, but you've got to give me your time. Did you just catch that? Give me your time. And let's eat together. I'm going to serve you, and then you can pour back on me. Did you catch that? Okay. I tried my best. (laughs) I was like, thank you, Jesus, for inviting me on the hottest day ever. But anyway, um, I do want to say that I want to say it one other way. Your spouse cannot give you the highest quality of love. Your relationships cannot supply the greatest amount of peace. Your success in life cannot continually give you the greatest enjoyment ever. But God can. He can keep you well supplied. He can give you the highest quality available to mankind on a regular basis. You may live in a house that you kind of like. And you think, if I just had that other house, I'll be very happy. But that house will not supply what you need on a normal basis. But Jesus is like, I will. So how do we do this? How do we come to the table and not get bored? Because <laughs> a lot of us get bored in front of Jesus. How do we not get bored? You have to come and take classes at PIHAP. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> there's long ways of trying to do this, but one easy way is just give him time and listen to him. And you're like, how do I know if it's me or him? I would say the way I grew in that is by journaling. A lot of us are analytical in the room. We will question what we hear. I was kind of analytical. So then if I wrote it, then I could discern, okay, some of that was God, some of it wasn't. Do you think God's mad about that? No. God's like, you're like a little cute one-year-old trying to walk. You're trying to hear Jesus. He's not mad. He's taking pictures. You know what I mean? He's like, oh my gosh, they're so cute. That's what he's doing. He's not like, they got it wrong. I am God. He's not doing that. (laughs) And yet we've done that. We've tried to say, oh, I'm not going to, he's God. How can I make, he's like, no, but I want to relate to you. Just like I did with my disciples, just like I do in heaven. I want to give to you so you can give back to me. I want to keep you filled so you can be so you can continually pour out on me. Amen. So I'm going to call you into it. One thing is needed. Sit and listen. When he said this, he said to Martha, "Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by much serving." You aren't taking the time to receive from me. And that's leaving you jaded. I want you to be happy. And therefore, I want to supply you with love, with joy, with peace, 
with goodness, with righteousness. I want to give you all that you need, but you must take the time to be with me. So this is just an invitation to come to the table. So I'm going to have just, I'm going to have the worship team come up. Am I early? I'm kind of early. This is like response time, right? Okay. (laughs) And we're going to have first just a response. Like if this touched you and you're like, I need this. I am not giving him time. If that is you, I would just encourage you to stand up for just a moment as the worship starts to play. And I do sense that we're supposed to respond to it. If we feel far from Jesus, it's not his issue. It's ours, you guys. And so he's inviting us afresh. Let me eat with you. You trying harder, it's not going to work. But let me eat with you. I want us to respond to this. So if this touched you, I want you to stand up. No pressure. (laughs) And I just invite you to put your hands out just in the posture of a receiver. And just say, God, I want to receive from you. And Holy Spirit, you're amazing at helping us to be receivers. Holy Spirit, would you just arise in each of us? We are worried and distracted by many things. Many things. Would you help us to embrace afresh the one thing, the one thing, the one thing? I ask right now by the power of your spirit, would you just come and touch these ones? They're saying, yes, I want to eat with you. Yes, I want to receive from you. I want to receive from you. I'm going to take time and I'm going to schedule it. I'm going to sit at your feet. I'm going to sit at your feet. I ask for grace to abound in them. Let grace abound. Let those mountains that seem hard in front of them, like, oh, this is too much. I don't think I can do this. Let them come down right now in the name of Jesus.